Welcome to Farming with Science. This podcast series has been designed with the goal of increasing your understanding of agricultural science and the management of our natural resources. Our aim is to share information to benefit farmers and ranchers, agricultural labor, and citizens interested in knowing more about how the food that we eat is produced. Every episode is an opportunity to learn, shared by the best agricultural professionals from the University of Florida and collaborative institutions. We invite you to sit back and enjoy while Jonah Bosques and Francisco Rivera, among other guest presenters, guide you through another episode of Farming with Science. Welcome back to another episode of Farming with Science. Today, we're going to talk about breeding soundness evaluation in sheep and goats. So as we have stated before, without reproduction, there is no production in any uh, farming operation, um, especially in the uh, case of sheep and goat production. If we want to produce meat, which is our one of the end products of the industry, we have to have kids or lambs in the ground, same thing with milk, uh, same thing with wool, etc. So reproduction, it's extremely important. And uh, in Florida, we have a, a custom of using natural service as a way to uh, sire our female. But with the use of males, we have to also take into consideration that those uh, bucks and rams need to be maintained, need to be monitored in order for us to know uh, their capability, in order to, for us to troubleshoot before the breeding season. We talk about the breeding soundness evaluation or BSE as we're going to probably refer to it uh, later on. And we have Dr. Catalina Cabrera, our veterinarian for small ruminant uh, production. Uh, based out of the College of Veterinary Medicine. And so you're gonna talk about what parameters uh, we are looking for when we're doing a breeding sanity evaluation. Dr. Cabrera, thank you for joining us again. And the floor is yours. Hello, I'm happy to be here again. Um, yeah, I think this is a very important topic. And since we are right now in the breeding season, it's something that it's important to consider. Um, our recommendation in general is to do the evaluation of the males that we are going to use uh, ideally 30 days to 60 days before the breeding season starts um, so that that gives us time to um, come up with a plan B if we have some issues with the animals that we are uh, evaluating. So we might need to give them some time to recover from an injury and we would like to evaluate them again. Or in other cases, if it's a problem that we cannot solve, then we will have enough time to find some other males that you're going to use during your breeding season. So it's definitely something that you wanna um, look into a little bit earlier, um, but it's still nevertheless something to discuss at this point for this year or future years. Catalina, why is it important to evaluate um, the box and ram in our field or in our farm? Um, the importance is that, as it was mentioned before, we we have an objective that is to get this female pregnant um, and to get at the end uh, uh, lambs or 
kids in the ground. So one of the things that might happen is that if we haven't evaluated these males before the breeding season, we put them with the females, we wait for whatever our breeding season is, let's say 30 days, 60 days, and then at the end we remove the rams and the, and the bags, and eventually a month or two months later, whether we are doing um, preg check with ultrasound or we are just like waiting to see that they are showing signs of pregnancy, at that point, it might be too late to find out that they didn't get pregnant and that that might have been a consequence of the males not being fertile. So at that point, it might be too late. You might have lost two months up to three months of time because you didn't check that these males were going to be able to do it. So the importance is we evaluate them. We have certain certainty that they are going to be good breeders and then you can rest and be more relaxed about having a pregnant female at the end of the breeding season. Can you remind us how long the usual breeding season window is for uh, sheep and goats? So the breeding season lasts for about four to six months, depending on what part of the country you are. So for example, here in Florida, we start having some animal cycling um, in July, and then they can be bred up to November, December. So here we have an extended breeding season. How long do you want that breeding season to actually work for your farm? Depends on what your objectives are. So there is some people that really wants to have an arrow window, wants to have a one month to two month lambing or killing period. So they will have the females and the males together only for that period of time. Other people sometimes like, for example, people that is uh, milking um, the animals will want to have females that are pregnant at different points during that time. So that the same way the lactation period is kind of like a spread over a longer period of time. So it depends on what your production system is. Um, so it will go somewhere between 30 days to up to five months. Yeah, my question was uh, because if you don't have that sire doing its job, you're losing one or two cycles and then you're actually losing a lot of the production potential that you have. So um, one of the things that, that I, in extension, we look at is to find ways to prevent these issues that, that are going to happen if we don't, we don't test, okay? So, you know, I, I know that there is a relevance on, on how the animal moves, uh, what we look for in terms of uh, the external characteristics that we, that we actually are employing in the breeding soundness exam. Can you talk to us a little bit more about those? Yeah, so there is a, a, this is like several steps. So the first step comes from the producer side. So the producer is choosing the genetics that is looking into that male. What is this male going to um, contribute to my production? So do I look for a male that is going to increase the carcass quality? Do I look for a male that is going to have daughters that are going to produce more milk, uh, etc. So that's the first part is to choose the genetics that I want to try to include in my herd. The second part is to make sure that this male doesn't have anything that is undesirable. So like conformation issues, for example, these animals have something related with their legs, the conformation of these legs. A lot of these things might be um, uh, inherited. So you want to make sure that you are not bringing anything that is inheritable to your herd that you do not desire. Um, 
And at that point, we will start looking during this breathing soundness evaluation that we are talking about, we start looking at certain characteristics. So the first one is we want an animal that has a good body condition score. So these males, we want to make sure that they are in, you know, in a good condition, that they are going to tolerate a breeding season because they're going to focus so much in their breeding that sometimes they're going to lose some body condition score. So you want them to start with a good frame. Um, we start looking at lameness. So we want to make sure that these animals are not lame, that are not going to have any trouble looking, uh, finding the females or mounting the females. We look to make sure that they don't have any problem with their eyes, that they are going to be able to find the females. Um, so that's kind of like the initial, the physical exam part of the uh, breeding soundness evaluation. And then there are a couple of other steps that we can discuss as, as we continue in the discussion. Okay, so we look at the external workings of the sires. Now let's uh, move back to the reproductive track, what we're looking for there. Okay, so after we have finished that physical evaluation, general physical evaluation, we start looking at the external reproductive organs of the male. So the first one that we're going to evaluate is the scrotum. So we are going to make sure that this scrotum is free of any um, dermatitis or thickness that is going to interfere with the regulation of the temperature of those testicles because that's going to affect the production of the spermatozoids. Um, we are going to evaluate the testicles themselves. Um, so we will talk about the scrotal circumference, but now um, in reference specifically with the palpation of the testicles, we make sure that they move freely, that they don't have hard or soft spots. Uh, we also evaluate the epididymus, that is uh, the duct through which the sperm comes out and also at the same time is part of the, of the period where the sperm are still doing part of their maduration. Uh, so we evaluate the epididymus through palpation to make sure that they feel normal, that there are not swelling or any abnormalities in them. Um, and in general, that they are not enlarged or decreasing the normal size that we expect for that animal at that age. So what's the desired uh, scrotal circumference that we're looking for in those males? There is um, a kind of like a grace period where we allow them to have a smaller scrotal circumference that is when they are young, so the yearlings. Um, they can have 28 to 30 uh, centimeters of scrotal circumference and that would be normal for them. And then after that, two years and older, we expect that they have at least 32 centimeters of scrotal circumference. There's going to be a little bit of variation also depending on the breed. So for example, a pygmy goat, we are not going to expect to have the same scrotal circumference as a salted. Um, but it's, it's something that we will evaluate depending on the breed. The importance is though that we evaluate that scrotal circumference because that correlates with the production and concentration of semen. So we want these animals to have the ability and the capacity to produce enough semen to breed all of those females. And that's where the 32, 30 to 32 scrotal circumference became a standard number for most of the breeds. So this is very important. This part of the male is very important because this is where the sex cells are fabricated basically and they mature. Uh, we talked about the ability to thermoregulate to freely within the sac and uh, how that temperature fluctuation can be fatal 
for uh, sperm. So uh, I want to emphasize that this is a part of the male that we have to really check and we have to protect uh, with other practices such as avoid fighting, avoid uh, males going into places that they shouldn't be because you know that that uh, testicle, the testicular area is very important. In males, in bulls, that what I'm more familiar with, we also have the ability to uh, exam, examine the uh, accessory glands, the prostate, the uh, the other uh, glands that are inside the animal, and we have the ability to palpate them. That's not possible in in small ruminants, right? Yeah, no, we don't do an evaluation of the accessory sex glands in small ruminants. But fortunately, the truth is that we also don't have a lot of pathologies that are associated with them. So it's not a common uh, cause of infertility, um, which is a good thing because we also will not be able to, to easily evaluate them. Um, Catalina, how do we obtain a specimen and what characteristic we have to look at? So in, in the case of um, rams and bats, we have to evaluate them in two different ways. So one way that we could check their semen is through the use of an artificial vagina. An artificial vagina basically is a, a tube where we are going to have water that is going to have certain uh, temperature and we're going to have some pressure. And inside that, um, let's say capsule, we are going to have uh, something where we're going to be collecting the semen. So we are going to have that male mounting a female and at the moment that he is going to mount the female, the operator is going to deviate the penis so that the male mounts and ejaculates inside the artificial vagina. And that's one of the ways to collect semen. The issue with this way to collect the semen is that uh, you have to have the males kind of like trained uh, because they usually will not like to have somebody next to them, they will not mount with like naturality, let's say. Mm -hmm. So this is something that is more common for animals that are handled very often. Um, and so it's not always a, a possibility. The other possibility to collect semen is through electroejaculation. So electroejaculation is a procedure where we are going to introduce um, a very mild electrodes uh, device in the rectum. And this one is going to stimulate um, uh, the accessory sex glands that we were mentioning before and is going to uh, stimulate also the nerves in the pelvic area and they're going to have an erection and an ejaculation. So through this method, we don't need to have a female. Uh, we just use this electroejaculator and collect the sample. At this point, when we collect the sample, we are going to also be able to evaluate the penis because they're going to exteriorize it and we could see also if there is anything abnormal in the penis. Um, once we have that semen collection, then we are going to be able to evaluate the sperm. Uh, but I, if I remember correctly, bugs are harder to, uh, for, you know, using electroejaculation than rams, right? Yeah, that's correct. They don't respond very well. Um, they would let you know that they are not very happy with the procedure. So we usually tend to, to ideally use an artificial vagina and if that's not possible um, we will do some sedation and do the electroejaculation with sedation. In the case of the rams it's something that is more commonly done without the need of sedation. Mm -hmm. 
that's a very good and important point. Catalina, these two can't hurt our animals? No, this is a procedure that I would not say that is necessarily comfortable for them. They, they, they seem to have some discomfort during the procedure itself, um, but it doesn't hurt them and it doesn't affect them long term. It is something that happens in, I would say, 30 seconds uh, at the most. And then at the end of that procedure, the animals go out and continue their life normally. So it doesn't, it doesn't affect them long term. It doesn't have uh, much risk associated to it. Um, but it is probably something that is uncomfortable for that short period of time. Okay, so we collect the semen and now what? What we have to do it? what things we have to look around in that sperm? So when we collect the semen, we have set up a lab. So it could be just like a small portable lab. There are just a couple of basic things that we need to have. So we need to have a microscope. We have to have um, a, a slides where we are going to put the semen samples. Um, ideally, we have also like a warming slide. So that would be more important in, in colder temperatures so that to make sure that everything that is in contact with the semen is at uh, body temperature so that we are not affecting the semen ourselves. Um, and that's about it. So we are going to get that semen. We can do a first inspection of the semen just to look at the color and make sure that everything looks normal. Then we do a first initial evaluation in the microscope uh, with a gross drop of the sperm. And we are looking just at overall the motility of that sperm and how they are all moving. That give us an idea of concentration and their ability to move. Then we dilute the sample a little bit and we look at it closer in the microscope and we look at what we call individual motility. So at this point we are looking at the individual sperms that are crossing or filled and we are trying to evaluate what percentage of those sperms are moving forward because it's not only about moving, they need to move forward in order for them to mobilize themselves in the uterus of the female and reach the egg. So we evaluate that. And the third thing that we evaluate is the morphology. So for this, we do an stain, and then we look and count at 100 sperms and evaluate what are normal sperms and what are abnormal sperms. And we need to have at least 70% of normal sperms to consider that male a satisfactory potential breed. In the case of motility, we want to have at least 30% of good motility to consider the animal passing the exam. So Catalina, this means that we have to be very careful in the way that we collect the semen, handle the semen, and then other specific genetic characteristics that the animal can have. So it's not only one step, it's like a different crucial steps in different phase of the process. Yes, that's correct. There are a lot of different steps from the genetic of the animal that was chosen by the producer, from the general uh, health of the animal, the physical evaluation of the animal, the reproductive external evaluation, and then the semen. And as you were mentioning, it's very important that we um, control very much how we are handling that semen after we collect it because we don't want to interfere with how that semen looks like. So if we expose it to the sun, if we expose it to cold temperatures, mm -hmm. 
that semen is not going to look good in the microscope and it's not the ram or the back fault. It's my fault because I didn't take care of the sample. So we try to be as careful as possible. But in terms of uh, the morphology, uh, we can look at the abnormalities in sperm cells and then we can determine if this buck or ram is capable of, of you know, if, if there's an issue with the way that he produces the cells. The other thing is that we, uh, we can determine if this uh, animal needs a rest because what, you know, a lot of those cells may be immature, which means that he's been mounting too many females and he's not ready for uh, another breeding season, basically, right? Yes, so when we finish the evaluation of the semen um, and we look at the morphology, we first classify that morphology into where the damage can be. So it could be in the head of the sperm, in the mid piece or in the tail. And that might give us an idea already uh, on where the issue is coming from. So it could be that the animal is too young, so we would see certain abnormalities related to that. Um, it could be the animal has been overused. It could be that the animal had a fever. So we will evaluate all of that. And at the end of all of this evaluation that we have discussed, I might say, okay, this animal is a satisfactory potential breeder. Or if there was any issues on any different level of the exam, I could say he is an unsatisfactory potential breeder. There are issues that are not fixable. Or the third option is that I can defer to him. So if I think that the problem is something temporary, something that is going to be fixed, then I can give him a rest. Um, sometimes we do a two-week period rest and we evaluate them again. Or if not, we can wait up to 60 days. And that was the importance at the beginning today of doing the physical, the breeding soundness evaluation two months before the breeding season because we can give them a rest for two months and re-evaluate them to make sure that they have recovered. Right, so let's uh, recap on, on breeding sanity evaluation. This is extremely important for every producer that depends on a ram or a buck to provide him or her with offspring. If that buck is not able to breed, then that buck uh, is not going to perform his duty on the farm. So. For us to avoid issues during our breeding season, we have to prepare those animals in time to breed with their females. Work with your veterinarian on a breeding sonic exam because your veterinarian can help you, can guide you in correcting some of the issues associated with the animal's lack of ability to sire. It's a holistic uh, approach that we're talking about we have to look at the external characteristics of the animal we look at the ability of the animal to detect a female in heat we look at the ability of the animal to move we inspect those feet and legs we inspect the reproductive tract and also we inspect the ability of the animal to produce semen that has the potential to impregnate or produce a, a, a viable offspring. Uh, so thank you again, Catalina, for your time. This is very important information for producers and uh, hopefully this, this information can help you be more efficient. Remember that with, without good reproduction, there is no production.
and this is Farming with Science. The University of Florida IFAS Extension is an equal opportunity institution.